Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So Jesus spends a lot of time talking about lost things. And of course, that's a metaphor for those of us that haven't learned to repent and to seek to walk a godly path and be reconciled with God because of our human sinfulness. And so this story that I just gave you, which is very, very brief, is nestled in between two other parables that people know much better than this one. The first is the parable of the lost sheep. You have 99 sheep and one goes missing and a good shepherd will go look for that lost sheep. And of course, finds it and then has a party when he comes back with that sheep. And the next one, of course, is the parable of the prodigal child. And when that son goes out into the world and seeks to be fully independent, finds out that it's not so easy and that life can be very difficult and has to humble himself to come back. And instead of finding an angry, righteous father, he finds incredible forgiveness and welcome hospitality. And so between those two stories is this little one about a woman who has 10 silver coins. Now for us, we tend to think of silver coins as like dimes and nickels and quarters, and we're not really impressed with silver coins. But in that day, 10 silver coins would have been made out of actual silver and would have been worth a lot of money. And so she loses one-tenth of her wealth. If you lost suddenly one-tenth of your wealth, you would probably be very distressed, probably searching for answers, wondering why whoever's handling your portfolio managed to lose your wealth, right? You would be looking for it. She does this, and she does all that she can, all that is in her power to find what is lost. She lights a lamp. She sweeps the whole house, like cleaning and looking through the house, searching carefully. And when she finds it, what does she do? She calls together her friends and her neighbors, and she asks them to rejoice alongside her, for what was lost has been found. And for most of us, we would go, if somebody called me because they had lost their keys and found it and we were going to have a party, that would be a really weird kind of thing to do. But if you have ever searched high and low and all around for something and then you find it, and then it generally goes like this, oh, thank God. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, I found it. What we find is that there is a relief that is worth celebrating. And Jesus was trying to get all of those that were listening, the apostles and his disciples and followers, to recognize that heaven feels that same relief and joy. When one of us who was lost allows ourselves to be found. And today, as we continue our series on inspiring saints, we're going to continue with a saint that if you've ever been around a lot of Catholics, you've probably heard, St. Anthony of Padua. And last week we were talking about St. Joseph, the adoptive earthly father of Jesus. Now, there's something kind of weird about both St. Joseph and St. Anthony, and that is that people will bury statues of them upside down. That's a very Catholic thing. It's not a very Methodist thing. Do not take a statue of John Wesley and bury it upside down. (laughs) Nothing good will happen. 
Uh, John Wesley would probably haunt you if that was a thing. That's not what we do. So if you've ever experienced that, I'll give you just a little bit of insight into why, because my son's father is New York Italian, therefore Catholic, and we were together for 14 years. So I have spent a lot of time watching people bury St. Joseph and dig him back up again. And what happens is that when someone wants to sell a house, they will take St. Joseph and they will bury him upside down. And sometimes there's some real specific rules depending on the cultural aspects of that community. And they will bury him in the dirt. And sometimes they'll make sure they bury him exactly 12 inches down, a foot down into the ground. And the idea is that St. Joseph will intercede. He will ask God to help you sell your house. Now, why would Joseph ask God to help you sell your house? Probably because Joseph had to quickly leave the house they were living in in Bethlehem and get them to Egypt. And so if you're talking about somebody who could rapidly, rapidly like pack up and move quickly, St. Joseph is probably going to be your best bet. Although I can assure you that Joseph and Mary and Jesus were living a lot more simplistically than we are. I couldn't even imagine how long it would take me to pack my shoes, much less the rest of my house. And so what we find is that this idea of, oh, and by the way, you bury him upside down so that he has even more incentive to get back right side up. I know, I know, trust me. There's, that's, there's a piece of me that's like, I am not Catholic. That is not going to make sense to me. St. Anthony is the same way. A lot of women in Latin America will bury St. Anthony because in addition to being the patron saint of lost things, he's also known as the patron saint of lovers. One of the things that Anthony used to do was help people find the money necessary to fulfill a dowry so that young people could get married. That was one of the things that he used to do, help people solve their worldly problems. And so St. Anthony has long been associated, especially in like Latin and South America, with people who have lost a love and they're looking for a new love. And so they will bury St. Anthony upside down and do the same thing with poor St. Anthony. Like St. Anthony needs to work extra hard for me, I'll bury him upside down. Um, that is not how we understand saints in the Methodist church. <laughs> that is not what we think of. I mean, if if you had a really good person in your life that was saint-like to you, that was exemplary in how they lived out their faith, could you imagine being like, I want to stick you in the closet and you'll be extra incentivized to help me today? I don't think that will work very well. Um, but it is interesting that we get kind of these superstitious customs around some of the saints. So let me tell you who St. Anthony is. St. Anthony is known as St. Anthony of Padua, which is in Italy, but he was originally born in Lisbon, Portugal. And he was the child of a very wealthy family, a family that had lots of means. But like most children who are not firstborn, he didn't have as many options open to him because the firstborn son was going to take after dad's business. And so he, at a very young age, went into the ministerial life, was converted and started actually trying to be an Augustinian monk. It was originally the orders he wanted to be, named after Augustus, another great saint. And Augustinians are pretty regimented. They have some things that they do pretty consistently. But fortunately for us, St. Anthony was introduced to some Franciscans who are named after St. Francis. In fact, that's why the current pope is St. Francis. He himself was of the Franciscan order. And the Franciscans are known for a much more simplistic life. They are not really flashy people. And they certainly have a passionate love of creation, often manifesting itself in a love of animals. And they are known especially for ministries to the poor. They have a real heart and passion 
for loving the poor of the world. And that resonated deeply with St. Anthony, and so he decided to change from Augustinian to Franciscan, and that is where he would complete his religious orders. And he is known for his preaching, his incredible teaching of the theology, so much so that he has actually been named by the Catholic Church as a doctor of the church. His writings on Catholic theology are considered authoritative. Even though he was never a pope, he was considered authoritative. And he is known for a simplistic faith. Not simplistic as in not mature or deep, but simple as in accessible, practical. Ways in which people can truly live out their faith without having to go to seminary and become a priest. That people could find ways to access what was happening in God's grace and love and forgiveness and live that out very easily. That's what he was known for. But he has become this patron saint of lost things. And as as I was sharing with our two young ladies this morning, it all goes back to this legend about his book of Psalms. And he loved this book of Psalms. And um, like a lot of people, if you've ever known somebody who's like written all in their Bible and tucked things in there, this book of Psalms had become really important to him. It had personal as well as professional value. And as is apt to happen, somebody picked it up and walked away with it one day, not meaning to steal it, as one version of the legend goes. The other version is very nefarious. It's like, and he wanted to steal it from... I was like, why would he steal a book of Psalms from St. Anthony? That's weird. Anyway, but so I, I like to go with the idea that it was a mistake. We'll grant some grace. Very Methodist over here. Grant some grace, and the guy didn't mean to take it. But then St. Anthony was upset. And I think most of us who have lived longer than, you know, two years know what it's like to lose something and to yearn to have it back. And the older we get, the more that that starts to resonate with people and beloved animals in our lives. We recognize that sometimes lost isn't about misplacing something or inadvertently throwing something away. It's about having something kind of ripped out of our lives and yearning to have that back. Well, there's only one person that can bring back some of the things that we have lost like that, and that is Jesus. And so St. Anthony knew that he couldn't yell and scream and throw things. He couldn't have a fit. He couldn't get angry and take it out on other people. So he did what most of us would hope that we could do when we are upset. He calmed down and he centered himself and he just started praying. Just praying to God, you know, if you can help me get this book back, it would be meaningful because of this. Because I want to use that book. I have put all of my studies and my experiences in that book. And that book is so important to what I do in my ministry for you and to the poor. And if you can help me, Lord, I would be so grateful. And then, whether it was God moving or not, that young man discovered that he had St. Anthony's book. And he brought it back. Now, one of the things that happens as your clergy is that you acquire a lot of really cool books. A lot came from my undergraduate studies and non-Christian religion. A lot of them came through seminary and a lot of them because, you know, I read. And so I will write in the front of my books, you know, please return to Pastor Sarah and then I will never get them back. I don't know why. They're just, they just never come back. And that's okay. I just chalk that up to somebody needed that book more than I did. But in St. Anthony's case, he needed that book. I mean, if you walked off with my pulpit Bible, I'd have a problem. So St. Anthony needed that book. And lo and behold, the book returned. And St. Anthony credits that book being returned to the movement of God. Now, a lot of times in our lives, we'll hear somebody credit God for something, and we're like, was that really God? Was that really God? 
Well, think about that. Well, St. Anthony recognized that even if God didn't move miraculously within that other young priest, that what happened was when that book was found and returned to him, that it was worthy of celebrating. It was worthy of rejoicing that once was lost is now found. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell us. Jesus was trying to tell us that just as the shepherd, the woman, the father rejoice over the returning of what was lost, whether it was a piece of their entire career, a sheep, whether it was a major part of your financial stability, or whether it was a beloved person in your life that when something is found again, it's not so much about how it came back or where it was found. It's about, yes, we have found it. And if you're talking about people, which is the third parable that Jesus gives about the prodigal son, then what the father was celebrating was, I am now made whole. When his son walked away and went out into the world on his own, the father lost a piece of himself, and the son came back. And sometimes, as human beings, we kind of get the wrong message. We graft onto the wrong thing. Right? We think about that story as in, well, the father could have really stuck it to the son and really made him miserable when he came back, and, and yet the father chose not to do that. I think Jesus is trying to set us up for looking even deeper than that by giving us the first two stories that something was lost and that the hole that was left when that lost artifact had gone missing meant that we were incomplete, that there was a hole within us. And so we yearn to have those missing pieces filled back in. And most of us go, it would be really great if you could just give me what I was missing. But sometimes you can't get that back or you can't get it back right away. And so we're having to figure out what are we going to do? And St. Anthony chose to plug the missing place in his life where his book had been with God. He chose to plug God into that space. If I can't be reading my favorite book of Psalms, then I'm going to be praying to God. And a lot of us have been like, oh, I don't have my book of Psalms anymore. I guess I'll go take up a new hobby. Or I guess I just won't read the book of Psalms today. But St. Anthony pivoted. He pivoted and said, okay, I can't do this. What else can I do for God? How else can I be connected? And for a lot of us, that is the struggle that death brings. We lose someone who is such a huge part of our lives. And then we wonder, what am I going to fill that with? Am I going to fill it with Tending a grave? Am I going to fill it with trying to do acts of service or uh, opening up a benevolence in their name? How am I going to fill the space that that person had in my heart and in my life? How am I going to fill that space? And if anything, St. Anthony is trying to say, fill it with God. Fill it with God. Because all of our loved ones now rest in God. And the only way that we are really going to be close and connected to them is through the vessel of God. God now holds them in trust for us until the day of resurrection. So we have to use God as that conduit, that connector to those that we loved. Because unlike a lot of people, I mean, I remember growing up and hearing my parents talk about their grandparents that I didn't know or talking about people that they had loved and lost in their lives. And I'm listening to a story, but I don't actually have 
you know, that same love and appreciation that my parents had for those that had lost. That is not the case with God. God loves those that we have lost as much, if not more, than we do. And so not only are you connecting with a conduit, a connector to those that we have lost, but you are actually communing with the one person in the entire universe that understands the full level of love and grief that you are feeling. And that's worth remembering. St. Anthony is kind of driving us toward that. Now, there are a lot of legends around saints, and the more that we go through this series, you're going to hear some strange legends, I promise you. You're going to hear some really weird ones, and you're going to go, is that true? Probably not. But we're not alien to that in the United States. I mean, I grew up in Northern Virginia, and there is an American saint who lived up there named George Washington. And George Washington has a lot of strange legends about him, too. For instance, the man never had wooden teeth. I hate to break hearts. He never had wooden teeth. That was the one thing he didn't have. He said that his teeth felt like wood because some of his false teeth, and he had many different ones over the years, and if you go to Mount Vernon, you can still see a pair of them, which is gross, but you can see them. He had teeth that were made out of ivory. He had false teeth that were made out of lead. Don't recommend that one. And he actually had some false teeth that were made out of other human teeth. Ooh, yeah. So... Why do we tell this thing about false teeth being wooden? I mean, th this is actually something that some people learned in school, that he had wooden false teeth. Why do we tell that story? Because in some ways, it makes it seem like he's accessible. You know, oh, he's like us. He had problems too. Had problems with his teeth. But there are other legends about George Washington that we have. For instance, the cherry tree. Right? You've heard the cherry tree legend. He was a young man. He got a hatchet. He went outside, used his hatchet on his father's cherry tree. When his father found out, he said, why did you, you know, what happened to my cherry tree? And George owned up to it, right? I cannot tell a lie. I cut down your cherry tree. Never happened. In fact, the story was invented by his first biographer. Never happened. Now, some of us are going, why would you make up this story? <laughs> why? Because we are a people that are constantly looking for connection. We are looking for purpose and connection. We are driven to that. We want that so badly. But we look for it in all the wrong places. We keep looking for connection this way only. We were created to look for connection that way. We were created to be a people who are both vertical and horizontally inclined. We are a people who are supposed to be connected, not just with a partner, a spouse, a family. We are created to be connected with other people who are part of a bigger family. We were created to be connected to God in everything that we do. And the more that you get connected to God, the easier it is to connect this way. And St. Anthony figured that out. St. Anthony was a person, just like you and me, who loved God and figured out that the more that he manifested that love of God and how he cared and loved for other people, the greater the love this way became. So much so that people began to be inspired even before he was dead. Now last week I shared with you the process of becoming a canonized saint in the Roman Catholic Church. And generally there is a five-year waiting period 
after you die to even begin the process. St. Anthony was canonized within one year of his death. And that says to us that his life touched so many people that immediately after he died, people were still talking about him and thinking about him and living out the lessons that they had learned from him, living out the experiences that he granted them. He touched people and changed their lives. And he was never married and he never had any kids. He changed people and touched their lives because he served them in the name of Jesus Christ. Why don't we focus on those kinds of connections? And the world doesn't do that. The world thinks, you know, do your community service and then go home. But Christ isn't about community service. Christ is about loving a community, which is very different. There's a difference between doing something because you feel obliged to do it, you feel a social responsibility to do it, and doing something because your heart is magnified by what Christ has done for you. There's a difference in how you approach the world and how you approach other people. And from the age of 15, Anthony felt God's love so much that he couldn't do anything but love other people and serve them and share with them what he had learned and how he believed that God's love was enough. And because of that, hundreds of years later, people are still thinking about St. Anthony. I believe St. Anthony wouldn't want us to think about St. Anthony in and of himself. But if we think about St. Anthony and it drives us to Jesus, then he'd count that a win. Because the saints were really there to help drive us to God, to inspire us to be better ourselves, not to think, well, you know what, if I lose something, it's, I'll just, it's in St. Anthony's hands and he'll figure it out. There's nothing Christian about sloughing off your responsibility to St. Anthony. But like the woman in Jesus' parable, have you done everything in your power? Have you been diligent? Have you ever had that experience where all of a sudden someone loses something or they can't find something and they don't even look for it? They're like, I don't know where it is. Did you look? No. This happens a lot in my household when it comes to some condiment in the refrigerator. And only two of us live there that have thumbs and can open the fridge. And I, I will hear this voice calling, Mom, where's the such and such? It's in the fridge. I don't see it. Did you move anything around? No. Okay, move some things and then come back to me. Right? Moving things looks like this. I don't see it. Did you look for it? Did you really look for it? If you've scavenged the fridge and can't find it, fine. But if I have to interrupt writing emails for church because you can't find ketchup, we are in trouble. Have you done all that you can do? Have you looked? Have you swept the house? Have you lit a lamp? Have you searched carefully? And if you have done all that, then did you turn it over to God? That's the lesson of St. Anthony. Now, there are going to be people that are going to bury that poor man's statue probably until Jesus comes back. But really, it's less about the end results than the journey. The journey is what is important. Jesus spends so much time talking about the process that those that had lost something went through in those three parables. 
the process that the shepherd goes through in order to find the lost sheep. He searches high, he searches low, he searches everywhere in between. He searches all that he can, and then he finds the sheep. He doesn't just walk out to the hill and go, nope, don't see it. Oh, well. And the woman, she lights the lamp, sweeps the house, searches carefully. She doesn't just go, oh, well, I guess a tenth of my entire fortune is gone. Leading us to the final parable, the parable of a lost person. And how many times in this world have you heard a story of two people whose relationship is rifted and they just wash their hands of each other? But that's not what happens in the story. In the story, while the father empowers the son to make his decisions and lets him go fulfill his will, when the day comes that that son wants to come home, the father not only lets him come back, but celebrates that what was missing in his life and in his heart has now been restored and throws a party so that others will recognize that now they are complete. And that is the difference between a Christian losing something and finding it in this world and someone who isn't. What is the process that we decide to take? And when we have something wonderful happen, how do we celebrate? You know how Jesus told people to celebrate when they were healed? Go to the temple and make your offering, he said. Go to the temple and make your offering and show yourself to the priest. Show them what God has done for you. It's called an offering of thanksgiving. And sometimes we've gotten to the point in Christendom where we're like, oh, thank God, the end. But is that really the level of celebration that God deserves for all that God has done for us? When we were lost, God looked for us. God didn't just leave us and abandon us, turn his back on us. God continually searches for us. And like that fantastic hymn, Amazing Grace, I was lost, but now I am found. Because God has found us. We don't have to go looking for Jesus. Jesus is right with us. In our hearts and in our heads, hopefully more and more in our words and in our actions, Jesus is with us. We don't have to find him. He's not lost. We are. Thanks be to God that our Good Shepherd, our Messiah, our Savior, isn't just waiting around for us to clue in. He's looking for us. And when he finds us, he makes all of heaven celebrate. If that doesn't change how we think about finding something that was missing, I don't know what else will. So the next time you are feeling that you have lost something, whether it's an actual physical possession or a piece of your mind, take a moment. Remember St. Anthony. And don't necessarily pray to St. Anthony to fix it, but may he inspire you to turn to the one who fixes all things and finds them and restores them, forgives them, loves them, and promises them that one day will come a day when nothing is ever lost again. May we be inspired by St. Anthony 
to constantly turn to the one who finds us even before we know we are lost. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.